What does it take to win? What does it take to be a winner? I'm here to answer those questions, and today I'm joined by GOP operative Matt Daler, fresh off his big win as campaign manager, getting U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley reelected in Iowa. Today, Matt is joined by his lovely wife, Julia, who just so happens to also be a political operative. You can tell Matt has some strong backup. This one was a lot of fun to record, so listen up. How was Iowa? Did you live there? You had to move there. I moved to Iowa. Did both of you move there? Just I say both of you because we're live here, guys, and his wife, Julia, is sitting here, too, with headphones and a microphone in front of her. So we don't know if she's going to jump in and say anything, but she might. I did not move to Iowa. Where were you? <laughs> well, I was, like, bi-coastal. I was in D.C. for most of the uh, cycle, but I would come out, like, every two to three weeks and stay for two to three weeks. It was interesting. Iowa is interesting. How'd you enjoy it? Iowa nice. Um, yeah? yeah, Des Moines. Is that a thing? Iowa nice is a great thing. Okay. It's a, it's a thing where, like, everyone's nice to you, to your face, but then... When you leave the room, they talk about you. So basically, politics. Like, everybody in Iowa is like a political operative. Yeah. You can put it that way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so coming straight off a big win, uh, a U.S. Senate race, which is huge, and most people didn't expect it to get that close. And it wasn't It wasn't close. It didn't it end wasn't up close, close. No. But there were some public polls that made it look like it was going to be close. Correct. So, I mean, without a doubt, the red, red wave was in Iowa. Governor Reynolds, 20 points. Senator Grassley, 13 points. Took out the attorney general, state treasurer, yeah. won all the congressionals. But throughout the cycle in, in Iowa, the Des Moines Register poll is like the gold standard, yeah. as they call it. And the one in October usually under samples Republicans. And so it had us within three. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't a good week. No, I bet. But... Well, it brought a lot of attention to you guys. You got some fundraising done, spent some money, yep. had some fun. You can always have more fun when you have more money. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, one of the goals and one of my personal goals, too, through this was to not make it a race, to not wake up one morning and be like, uh, the Democrats are dumping $5 million into this race. Yeah. So that was the goal. I mean, because last cycle for Joni Ernst, I mean, it was, I think it was like $70 million they spent for her to win by six. Um, so it was like... Let's not even get anywhere near that. So we were able to accomplish that, which which was really great. But they made it pretty public that they weren't going to play in this race. I mean, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it was uh, – they had Schumer at some donor retreat. They asked about Iowa. He was like, no, I'm not going there. Then, like, the next week he gave out a bunch of money. Franken got zero of it, so we were feeling good about that. And then the poll dropped. And it was like, oh, here we go. Like, we're climbing – we're building our red wave, and then it just like came crashing down a little bit early. But we, our internals were always good, so we felt fine. But it was just taking all those phone calls of like, "What's happening? Yeah, are you going to mess this up, Matt?" <laughs> was this your first time managing a big race like that, U.S. Senate race? It was. Yep. Yeah, you don't want to fuck that up. Yeah, that would not have been. Uh, <laughs> Could you imagine like taking your first U.S. Senate race with an incumbent that's been there forever and losing that? Yeah, I was like, that would have sucked. Yeah, Julia, I guess we're moving to Texas and being farmers, which you know is my goal, so I would have been all right with that. But yeah, I was like, okay, we just moved. You moved away in our second year of marriage, and you're never going to get a job again. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than Phil, who got married and has been living in Atlanta and hadn't seen his wife. And he just saw his wife uh, last week, and I didn't even know it was her birthday. So he flew. He he. He was going to stay in Atlanta. I was like, get your ass home. 
And uh, it's like he got married and then just moved to Atlanta for Herschel and has been there pretty much all summer and all year. Yeah. Um, I mean, it gives, I think, so many operatives flashbacks to last cycle with the runoff. Luckily, it's a little shorter this time, but it's just... So I, now that I think about it, it, it wasn't until I was talking about Phil that the thought came to my mind because it's been 17 years. I did that too. So we got married and less than a year later, I moved to Michigan to be the deputy for a U.S. Senate race. Um, and that one, we actually got our asses kicked by Debbie Stappenau, a guy named Mike Bouchard. But um, Elizabeth would fly up there like every couple weeks. And then, and after we got past the primary, so my wife's a political fundraiser, y'all about to meet her at dinner, but uh, they actually hired her on the campaign to be deputy, for, or oh, nice. by they, I mean I hired her <laughs> so that she could then move up there with me and, and do the campaign also. Yeah. I mean, coming off of the 2020 cycle, being at the RNC, and I mean, we were just like plowed through for four years, right? So busy. And then in 2021, when I was just kind of consulting a little bit, trying to do sales, I was like depressed. Yeah. And Julie and I like made the decision together. I was like, I have to I was like, get out of here. Like, I, have to, I have to go do a race. And I didn't want to get into, I mean, this kind of makes me maybe sound weak, but it's like, I don't want to go to Georgia. I don't want to go to Pennsylvania. I don't want to go to Ohio. I don't want to like leave my wife to go fight for a primary and not yeah. win. And so when I got approached about the grassy stuff, I was just like, well, absolutely. You know, and how you can you been say? in Iowa before yeah. in 2016. Nice. How is Grassley? Is he like a good dude to work for? I mean, I know you got to say he is, oh, but like. Absolutely. Statesman. He just seems uh, like he'd be like a really nice guy. So genuine, completely honest. Um, awesome. Wakes up 4.30 every day. I saw that. I love the run video. Runs, Obviously, I'm going to love yeah, that video. Runs two miles. He will admit himself that it's not much running anymore, but he gets out there. 80, 89 years old, right? Yeah, but that's the time that he takes for himself. That's when he prays. So yeah. when he gets ready, he's in the office by 6.30. His day is full. He goes. He, he has never, since he's been in D.C. For, for almost 60 years, got caught up in all the fancy stuff. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't drink. Um, he doesn't go to, like, he, he, he wants to be a U.S. senator for the people of Iowa. He goes home every weekend to his farm. Nice. He just doesn't care about, like, all of that stuff. So he just – it's a fresh – it's, like, so refreshing to work for him where there was no – there was not going to be any surprises. Yeah. But I bet at 89, he's got to be, like, the 1% that can run two miles. 100%. Yeah. Right? And he started later in life, too. Yeah. He, he was on one of his committees. Someone came before the committee and was like – you know, we're facing all these problems in senior living homes because people don't exercise. Mm -hmm. And he said that motivated him to start running when he was, like, 65. That's badass. Did yeah. you do, like, the full, like, what is it? What do you, the full Grassley. The That's full what it's Grassley. called. That's right. Yeah. Did you do the whole full Grassley with I, him? I did not do the full Grassley in all 99 counties. Um, so a lot of that is on the official side. Okay. So, like, they Got handle it. all of that. Um, but, I mean. I didn't know that. Yeah, but I went around a lot. I mean, again, Almost all of those are open, so anyone can come. You can ask any question. He'll get yelled at. He'll answer questions. That's awesome. And just take it. He's like, he, he is so genuine and good. We're, uh, oh, before we leave Grassley, that corn video we did with you guys, <laughs> my kids want to hear it like every other day. Yeah. And they're constantly still, it's like, what, six weeks later or something, still singing it around the house. And they started building like little corn 
like crafts. <laughs> there you go. And you can show like, that to him. And my son is uh, so he's only eight. And he's taking this computer programming class, and last week he took he built like a computer animated thing with just corn all over the screen with the song in the background. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Pretty cool at eight years old. <laughs> yeah. So I mean. Once that came out of, of that little kid saying that stuff about corn, obviously it was just like, well, we have to do something with Corn Watch for this. Yeah. So and I don't. So I did nothing creatively this cycle. By the way, this is the first cycle where I didn't touch any campaigns, but I sent that to Jared immediately. I was like, make a Grassley video now. So I don't know who his idea was, either your idea, or my idea. I like to take credit for it because like 48 hours after I told him to make that video. It appeared. Yeah. And I saw it on Twitter. I didn't even see it until it popped on Twitter. I was like, you took my idea. He was like, yeah, a few other people had that idea too. Yeah. No, you did, You guys did. <laughs> it was your idea. Very good. Um, Cameron always just like coming up with stuff and Dude, offering us stuff. And it's just like, yes, like this is this is what we need. Dude, he's such a stud. Yeah. He's one of our best employees. Where are you guys living now? So we live in D.C. Cool. Are you yep. home for a while? Well, only God knows that. We're uh, gonna figure out what's next here. The next couple months, we're Charleston's beautiful. We're on well, we're on uh, islands only for the oh, rest of the year. year. So we're nice. we're living in we're gonna be in Charleston, Isle of Palms. Then we're going to St. John, and then for Christmas, we're going to Puerto Rico with the Island family. Off the, side, off the coast, Culebra. Yeah. Nice. So hashtag islands only for the Dailers. Shit! Yeah. What a plan. Yeah. All right. What is your campaign story today? So I definitely have a lot of good wins, yeah. and I would say I've, I've been so lucky with that. Um, definitely the best would have been in 2014 with Senator Capito in West Virginia. Yeah, um, it's crazy for the fir- in 2014 for the first time there was a Republican Speaker of the House in a Senate and a Republican Senate President for the first time ever in the West Virginia State Capitol. It had just been dominated by Democrats: Robert C. Byrd, Jay Rockefeller. You couldn't win if they were on the ticket. People just went and voted for Robert C. Byrd, and every Democrat mm-hmm. won. So that was really the the it turned there with Senator Capito, and now you would never even know that Republicans were never in charge. But yeah. I mean, my big win. I kind of am part of going to Iowa and everything. I had some personal goals attached with that that I wanted to achieve. Obviously, just being married. Um, I didn't want I didn't want the cycle to bury me. Yeah, as it has to so many people, right? So, mm-hmm. I immediately like started focusing on discipline, like waking up five thirty every day, nice. not looking at my phone, go out, you know, drink coffee, read, pray, meditate, go to the gym, and then maybe like at seven, start looking to see what my email says and what my text said, because I got consumed, right? Like as soon as you wake up, your day is ruined by some of this stuff. Yeah. And so just I took all of that out of my life, and it saved me. Like, yeah, I had the post-election depression, right, where I'm sitting there, like, scrolling. Like, no one's texting me. No one's emailing me. But I think—and I'm, like, so good right now. And I think it's because I was able to separate my life from this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was such, like, something I really focused on. I'm really proud of myself for doing that. That's awesome, man. I tell you, um, not running right now— has really screwed up my brain and my routine because I'm, I, I'm always training for a race and I'm so regimented in my training that it's like get up at 4 o'clock, you know, have coffee, eat some, some carbs in my body, use the bathroom, and by like 4.30, 4.45, I'm like on the road or leaving for the pool or getting on the bike. And it's really – it's been hard like the last five months, six months because that's not my life. So instead, it's like I get up at – 
five o'clock instead of four. And the first thing I do is pick up my phone and I check out my emails and I check Twitter where I didn't do that before. It was like, cause I had that thing in the morning forcing me to become disciplined and it, it's really been a mind fuck for me yeah. oh. recently. Cause once you get out of that thing, it's hard to like find the new routine. Yeah. And, and I guess I didn't search for the new routine because I kept thinking my foot was going to heal faster than it did. So I was like, oh, well, two weeks from now, I'll be back in the routine. And then it's like six months later, I'm st- for the first time in like a decade, I'm like a, a little bit yeah. aimless. And it's, and it's very frustrating. It's, it terrifies me to think about breaking my foot because oh, I would just be like, I don't know what I'll do. Yeah. Like the. I've adopted like fitness into my life so much that it's like, you know, this podcast is very close to becoming a fitness podcast. I, I did. I, we listened to, <laughs> so we're very close with Elliot. So we listened to, oh, his, yeah. and Elliot is like the most disciplined person For sure. that yeah. I know. And I, he, he is, he's awesome. Um, and he's some, someone to look up to when it comes to some of the stuff. Yeah. I think Elliot and I have very similar mindsets just from like hanging out with him and the same books we read and the podcast we listen to and things. Y'all also sound exactly alike. Do we? Yeah. Whenever I, whenever I was listening to y'all, I was like, wait, who's who? <laughs> uh, well, I, I think um, I'm a little more ghetto than Elliot. I, I'm probably a little more, uh, a little rough around what the edges. After, after we go dinner and get a couple of drinks tonight you'll, you'll you'll see that yeah um so what your your real lesson is like i think these operatives that because we talked about it also with ryan mahoney on here is these operatives get in this um this routine of just like drinking and staying up all night and eating shit and they 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 are not only creating like this physical problem with their body, but then you add the stress on top of that. Yeah. And they, they spiral. And we've seen it with so many political operatives. So, I mean, your, your suggestion is like, find that discipline that doesn't allow you to, to get into that bullshit. Get in, get sucked up in the bullshit and just consume you. And it makes the job even worse. Yeah. Right. So I kind of tied it together with being disciplined in the morning um, there's a lake in Des Moines that's two miles, like perfectly round. And I went and I ran it one day and I did it like in 16 minutes. And I was like, all right. You're talking to a runner, so don't embarrass yourself. I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm no, gonna, I'm gonna to get this down to like under 15, yeah, then under great. 14. Yeah. And that was the first thing I would do a couple of days a week in that's the morning. Awesome. And it, that is like everything you have right there. There was yeah, no better great. feeling than when I got done and I accomplished that. And I would go crush the day. But yeah. part of it too, that was mentally just clearing my mind and getting rid of all of the stress and all of the a younger me, you know, would have responded to that email right away, like, screw you. Yeah. I'm running the campaign. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, I've done that plenty of times. <laughs> right. But instead, that's yeah. Just let it go. So that's been the other issue. And, and by the way, I'm a, I'm a distance runner, so I'm not that fast. I just yeah, go along. I just go a long way. <laughs> like, if you start talking about speed, you're probably some, a lot of people are faster than me. Um, not running has really also screwed me up because I'm not outside as nearly as much as I was, so I don't have that connection with nature. And it's, it's not, I'm putting on muscle. I'm building a lot of strength right now. But being in the gym is not the same as just being outside, being alone with your thoughts, with nature. Yep. It's just a completely different thing. And so it, it's really been messing with my head that way too. But I've got to. I've. I've. I put the boot back on. I said January first is my day. And I'm not going. I'm not going past January first. And I signed up for a hundred miler in Colorado. So I got to be running by then. Yeah. There you go. And my last like adoption through all this was 
listening. Listen more. Stop yes. talking. Robert Greene, yep. um, great thing. Um, always say less than necessary. Mm-hmm. And I love that because we all know so many people in this business that just want to talk. Accomplish nothing. Like, I, I have been criticized in meetings in places before where it's like, you don't ask any questions. Mm-hmm. You don't talk. And it's like, well, Wesley just said everything I agree with. Why do I need to say it? Yeah. And I realized at one point that a lot of people were coming to talk to me because I would listen and not talk back or anything like that. And I was just absorbing all this knowledge about what other campaigns are doing, what the committees are up to, or even when I was at the RNC, like what the states are happening. And I was able to deliver or make such a good decision because I could read the lanes because everyone was coming to me. That's such a smart observation. I realized that about five or six years ago that if I'm sitting in a, around a conference table and if I just don't say anything for 30, 45 minutes, that when I do speak up, everybody listens. Absolutely. Every time. Absolutely. doesn't matter how stupid what I said is, they're, they're going to stop and listen and consider it. Yeah. There's something powerful in being able to not overreact or say something. I mean, also, the less you say the less you'll say something dumb, exactly. too. And that also means the less that you'll tell, the, the less likely you are to tell someone to it's F just, off. We're in such an egotistical business that everybody wants to be the center of attention. Everybody wants to outsmart everybody else or one-up uh, everybody else around the table and be the winner. It's because, I mean, and I get it, you know, it'd be like being a professional athlete when, when all you do is compete. You know, or, or, you know, it's like, uh, what do they say? When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So you just get into that mindset of hammering all the time. It's the same with us. We're in constant competition is trying to beat somebody. So that even leaks into, like, your own team. Like, you just want to beat everybody on your own team instead 100%. of working together trying to get the job yeah. done. I had some young operatives on the campaign that had bad experiences in the past. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to take that and use it against other people. And I was like... You complain to me about this campaign you run all the time, and you're acting the same way to these people because mm-hmm. you think, like, this is how it's supposed to be. Why do you want to make these people as miserable as you were? Yeah. Let's not, like, let's rethink this. Let's get a good habit loop going here of not treating people like that and have a positive campaign, right? And back to, like, not talking, if I had a meeting every day with all of them, they would just stop listening to me, Right. So whenever I sent an email or called a meeting, they knew that it was like, all right, like this is serious. We need to take this serious. Uh, Brian, have you ever worked with Brian Athey on my team? Mm -mm. He's he's our creative director, and he's very wise. He's the Yoda of the company. But he came to me a few months ago, and he said, Wesley, you're not Luke Skywalker. You're Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? You're not the center of the story. You're the guy advising the guy who's the center of the story. And so I've taken that to heart in that, like, Every hour, I say, what would Obi-Wan Kenobi do? So it's more like being the guy that's wise, that doesn't talk a lot, that's just giving very, very sound advice and not trying to be the center of the story like so many of these political operatives do, especially in this social media world. Right. Right. Of everybody wants to get all over Twitter and run their mouth. But you're not the center of the story. The candidate is the center of the story. Be Obi-Wan Kenobi, man. Be the, the smart guy that's just guiding yeah. I mean, in so many jobs in politics, right, we always say, like, you don't need your resume. You just word yeah. of mouth. i much rather, like, be on that path than be like, well, you see me on Twitter. That's how you know me. Yeah. Like, 
no, like Matt's a smooth operator. He can he can get this done for you. It's I love it. The amount of you know Carl Rove's that we meet. Mm-hmm. It's just like. Oh no! You're not Carl Rove, and well, what, everybody what it, thinks they are. And I think people like in our industry, especially, take like being quiet and listening as a weakness. Like, it, it if you don't want to talk and be the most important person in the room, like, you must, you know, yeah. be weak. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm truly so proud of you for how you've led your team in Iowa, and like, I know we're so different, and so we're always kind of like, I love to talk, so <laughs> it, you know, it causes some issues between us, but. I respect you for that, and I think you're such a great leader because of how you do that, and you can tell everybody that has worked under you has respected you for being that type of leader. So, thank you. Aww, so nice. How how is being a married couple in politics with both y'all in the industry? It's weird. Um, sometimes, I mean, we met at the RNC. We were best friends, like had no interest in each other for a few years, and then he moved to Iowa, actually, into the 2016 cycle, and then um, after he came back and. You know, was like still flirting with girls. I was like, mm, I don't think I don't think I like this anymore. <laughs> I think we're supposed to be together. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And then, yeah, I mean, it's I, I feel like most of the time we're on the same side of things, obviously. But um, I kind of feel like in the world we're in now, with everything being so hostile, it's like, you know, it's important just to remember who we are and the type of people we want to be, and um, that's who we want to work for and work with. So, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so Elizabeth and I were both in politics. Into, so I got her into it because I just couldn't find any good fundraisers, and I knew she'd be good at it, and she was amazing at it. And uh, we did that for a long time. And I tell you, it was super stressful to have both of us in the industry. And then when we had our first child, she decided it was the time to get out, and thank God she did because that was before what you see today. I mean, things were heading yeah. in the direction of the volatility, but eight years ago it wasn't nearly as bad as it is today and I couldn't imagine both of us being in it today yeah well and I just I think that's with me kind of moving a little bit out I mean still politically aligned but more in the nonprofit space I think um you know we, we can still kind of use our connections for, with each other and things of that nature but yeah it's 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 too much sometimes you know and I think you know I worked at the White House political affairs when he was at the RNC political department and I quit the White House and I was like we would never have stayed together or been married if I was in that environment because we were just like pitted against each other yeah you know it was crazy so wow <laughs> all right spilling the tea <laughs> speaking of my wife we're gonna go meet her she's standing outside I think and we're gonna go have a drink love it thanks thanks guys appreciate you thanks